Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. I'm your show host, Bill McDermott. Profit Sense dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. This show helps local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession. The show is presented by McDermott Financial and the profitability coach, Bill McDermott. Bill helps business owners improve cash flow and profitability, find financing, break through barriers to expansion, and financially prepare to exit their business. We have three great guests this morning. Corey Lee with uh, Martin Concretes, the president of Martin. Uh, Corey, so glad to have you. Uh, Nathan Johns is partner with Menden Fryman. Nathan, uh, welcome to Profit Sense. So glad you're here. And Eric Cooley. Eric is CFO of Strack Incorporated. Eric, really, really glad to have you here on Profit Sense. Corey, we're going to start with you this morning. Uh, you and I ended up actually being introduced uh, by George Menden at Menden Fryman, I believe, and had the opportunity to do some work together. And I really got to know not only what a great team of people that you have there at Martin Concrete, but also uh, some really exciting projects. Uh, you know, Martin's had such a longstanding success uh, in their field. What do you attribute that to, Corey? Yeah, thank you, Bill. Um, you know, I think uh, obviously we've been in business for 29 years, and I think we we have really built off of what Jeff Martin, who founded the company, uh, started in really being a relationship-based company and and taking care of our customers and taking care of our employees and making uh, quality uh, the utmost importance. And that, I think, has attributed to us having such a longstanding uh, tenure with our customers. We enjoy... Uh, about 89% of our business is, is repeat business and wow. because of our relationship with our customers that we are able to do that. So I think that's the, if I had to sum it up all in one word is relationship. Well, 89% repeat business too really speaks to uh, uh, the success and the confidence uh, that your clients put in, in you. And, you know, People do business with people they know and they trust, and so it's it's pretty clear from from that percentage that that you found the right recipe. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, most people would think that maybe construction uh, has slowed down. Uh, I've seen the projects that you all are working on on LinkedIn, so I I would like for you to comment how have you overcome the challenges. Uh, that are present in COVID-19? Well, I think first and foremost, what we've done is we have made sure to keep our people as safe as possible. Um, we have uh, had continuous cleaning in our office. Uh, that's not to say that, that we are immune to, to COVID-19. We have had a few uh, cases out in the field, um, but we've cleaned, cleaned and, and uh, quarantined where we need to and kept our people safe. Uh, took a leadership role with our customers in making sure that uh, proper processes were in place for COVID-19. But beyond that, um, I think 
a lot of what we do is is in the e-commerce world, uh, data centers and and distribution centers. And I think if anything, what has happened with COVID nineteen is people have gravitated their purchasing habits more towards e-commerce, and so that has fueled a fire, if you will, in in that world. And we have uh, we're uniquely positioned to be able to to, to take advantage of that and and serve our serve the community uh, with our expertise in that. So, yeah, and I know for me. Um... Uh, my Amazon Prime account and the credit card with it have been uh, uh, kind of worn out. Uh, I uh, I bought myself a new golf driver. That was just kind of a, a present to myself because of COVID. And so my guess is from all the collective people that have had to uh, buy all those, quote, COVID presents to themselves, uh, right. that means more data centers and more data centers means more work for Martin Concrete. That's correct. Yeah, uh, we are fortunate in that aspect. Um, so, you know, we have seen some some projects in other arenas slow down, but, um, you know, but the lion's share of our business is still in the e-commerce world. And that has been very strong. We've, we've been very fortunate in that aspect. Now, keying off your uh, your comment that you made a moment ago about keeping your people safe, uh, you've also achieved success with being one of the best places to work in Atlanta. Uh, so what do you attribute that to? You know, I, I think I could probably sum it up with our mission statement, and we really do live by that. And that is to create unequal positive experiences for our customers while providing a, an environment in which our employees can envision and, and achieve unlimited success. And so unlimited success means different things to different people. Um, it doesn't mean everybody's going to aspire to be the president of a company or a vice president of a company. It means that they may want to go from you know, finishing concrete to running motor graders. Um, but we want to provide that ability for our people to see, um, see a vision of where they want to go and help them achieve that. And I think that is probably the one key thing that, that we do uh, that allows our people to to uh, feel good about coming to work and where they're going in their future here at Martin Concrete. So, so what I'm hearing is, in addition to keeping your people safe, you've also really focused on uh, giving people uh, a sense of where their career can go, the opportunity to grow and develop with the organization, and uh, really help them guide uh, their their professional path. Absolutely. And we take an active role in that. And so we ask our employees what they want to do. Uh, where do they see themselves, and how do we help them get there? And that doesn't mean that everybody's able to get to, to where they you know, originally say, but they can absolutely grow in their path here. And, and so that's a, that's a key for our people. And, and I think it, it's, it's something that everyone enjoys. Now, I know from having worked with you that Martin has just really experienced a large amount of growth over the last five years. Um, how do you plan to continue the growth that you've seen? You know, when you grow as fast as we have um, and, and we've experienced um, you know, 100% growth over the last seven years wow. uh, plus, so... Uh, when you grow as fast as you had, you have as we have, you have to to put your skin around that growth, and and, and we were able to take a, a little break, put our our skin around that growth, get the structure in place, and really our forethought in putting that structure in place was 
not only to to be able to manage the the size company that we are today, but put that structure in place so that we can grow as well. So we have the the right people in place. We've got the right positions available um, so that it really is just a matter of, of, you know, being able to, to put the right person in the right uh, place to continue that growth. And I think we're set up for that. And I think we're ready, to, ready to take on that next, our next step. Now, while you were uh, mentioning that, I was thinking of one of my favorite books is by Jim Collins. It's called uh, Good to Great. And I think Collins says you got to get the right people on the bus you got to get them in the right seats. Uh, and it really sounds like with the growth that you've had, you've really put the structure in place to make sure that you have the right people in the right seats. And you probably added some seats over time. Would that be fair? That That is very fair. And and very strategically, you know, to, to use that analogy with the right people on the bus, we very strategically what seats we add. Uh, so that you have the right players in place so that you can grow and you have the ability to take on that extra that extra volume. And it also creates back to back to what I was saying about the best places to work. It creates the path for somebody to fill that seat within. We try to we try to hire from within uh, as much as we can and, and allow people to grow into those into those positions. One uh, one thing that I would say is if you if you take away a common theme throughout all of our, our conversation here today is it's really about the people. And that's, and that's really our core. Yeah. And, you know, my big takeaways from our time together, Corey, are first, uh, you obviously take great care of your clients. Otherwise you wouldn't have 89% repeat business. Uh, During COVID, you've certainly focused on keeping your people safe uh, because people need to have their basic needs met but you've also worked really, really hard to guide them in their professional path. And then the last part that we were talking about is that growth from satisfied clients and uh, happy employees has allowed you to put a structure in place to make sure that those people are, are in, the, in the right seats uh, and you know, fully realizing their goals and dreams. Right. And uh, it's very important to us, as, as stated in our mission statement, and, and uh, it's very important for us to create the ability for our people to grow and, and also remain, even though we're a larger corporation now or a larger business, um, we, we have a family feel. And it's very important for us to keep that, that connectivity between the people. Uh, at the end of the day, our belief and, and my belief personally is, is the, the four walls of a business and even the name on the door doesn't doesn't make the business it's the people within those walls and and that's and and the ability for us to guide our future is is uh, exciting for me and i think exciting for everyone else too so well this has uh, certainly been a great time i did want to ask you if someone uh whether it be a potential client or a potential employee uh wants to get in touch with martin concrete what's what's the best way for them to do that Corey? Uh, you know, our website, uh, martinconcrete.com is a good way to do that. Um, you, our, our main office, uh, you can call it at 770-795-0406, uh, or, uh, reach out to any of our business development people and, and I can get that information to you as well, Bill. So. Very good. Well, Corey, thanks so much for your time this morning. This is, uh, 
uh, been time well spent, and it is great to hear the Martin Concrete story. Yeah, thank you, Bill. Thanks for the opportunity. So I'm going to turn it over to uh, Nathan Johns. Nathan is an attorney with Menden Fryman. Uh, and Nathan, my my relationship uh, originally started with one of your partners who's now retired, George Menden. Uh, but you and I had the uh, privilege of, of doing a, uh, a large uh, bank loan transaction probably about 14 months ago. Uh, it, uh, it was certainly a uh, all-hands-on-deck transaction. Uh, we got it done, and uh, I think there was a, a, a happy client as well as a happy new bank. So uh, welcome to ProfitSense, and uh, so glad to uh, have you on the show today. You know, I wanted to start out and just say, you know, there's so many different types of transactional law. Can you describe uh, the various transactional groups uh, that you have there at Menden Fryman? Sure. Bill, thanks for, for having me this morning. Um, Menden Fryman is a, a transactional law firm. We have no litigation people in-house, so we are really focused on the, the small to medium-sized business owner in the lower middle market and trying to serve their needs um, and really focusing on three areas. One is the corporate transactional work in real estate. So general counsel, uh, employment issues, employee agreements, contract work, sort of a outside general counsel role. And then a M&A practice, usually focusing on the sales side exit of a business. Uh, along with that comes commercial real estate for our clients. A lot of them own the facilities that they're in. Uh, the other part that folds nicely into that is the estate planning side. So for business owners, most of their value is tied up in the business itself. So we have a very robust estate planning practice that uh, is really up to speed on taxes complex strategies, minimizing estate tax and income tax. They do a great job of helping our business owners keep most of the wealth they build. And then our final group is the tax controversy group. So a lot of operating businesses uh, have some issues in the past with tax returns, uh, the tax liability, um, various other issues with state and federal agencies. So they're skill set is really negotiating offers and compromise, uh, coming up with payment plans, and helping business owners reduce the liability uh, at the federal and state level. So those are really the three buckets that we uh, serve our client needs. And I would imagine uh, the baby boomer generation is exiting their businesses. Uh, there's probably a lot of uh, planning uh, that goes into that from a legal standpoint, even before there may be three to five years before exit. Certainly a lot of estate planning that would be involved if you have an owner that has a, a large estate. And so it sounds like uh, based on those different transaction groups, uh, you're going to be pretty busy, uh, at least for the next decade or two, and, and I'm sure longer than that. That is the plan. We are certainly hoping uh, to be very busy helping these owners grow their business, establish value, really try and put things in place ahead of time um, to make sure that the business that they are building is sellable. And I think that comes back to 
uh, as Corey said, putting the right people in the right seats, both internally and externally. And a lot of business owners need to understand that you need to have a team of advisors, both inside your organization and outside. Uh, you need an, a, probably several attorneys, which is good for me. Um, you need a business attorney, an estate planning attorney. You need the CPA. You need the financial advisors, the insurance professionals. You need investment bankers. You need a good, strong financial guy. Um, all of those people are going to help push those value drivers and create a business that somebody will want to buy. Yeah, it really takes a village, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It does. I, I know there's some common pitfalls that you see that the small and middle market business owners make when they engage outside professional services firms. Can you speak to some of those common pitfalls? Yeah, one is is really focusing more on the expense of the advisors and not really understanding the value that the advisor is bringing to the table. and they become afraid to really engage that advisor in a deep and meaningful way. And they get uh, afraid to pick up the phone and call you or afraid to send an email and ask the question because they, they worry about this hourly rate. Uh, it is one of my goals is to try and educate clients into, it might be some dollars now, but it is going to save you multiple times that in the future because we're doing it right up front. And I hope that the value I'm delivering with my services and the team we bring to the table far outweighs whatever that cost is, whether it's a flat fee, an hourly rate, you know, however we've arranged our uh, payment for services, we want to be delivering way over that amount in value. So people who are not used to spending money on legal services or other professional services have a little bit of a sticker shock, but if we can help them see what is that return on investment? What are you really getting for your dollar? And, and understanding this is really an investment in your future. You're going to spend some money today and have just crazy returns on this in the future. Because if you've positioned your business with you know, de-risking it, putting in some things that have low cost and high value so you can get to the high cost, high value items uh, and, and really ramp up the, the value drivers, you're, you're selling your business way higher than if you didn't do these things. Yeah, I, uh, I often have that value conversation with, with my clients as well. And a lot of times when they talk cost, I have to switch into the value proposition. And then uh, uh, I also have the line of uh, good, fast and cheap, you know, pick any two. <laughs> Uh, if it's good and it fa- and it's fast, it's it's certainly not going to be cheap. But uh, fast and cheap is uh, not going to be any good, right? And, and uh, most of our planning engagements really are not a one and done scenario. It is a long term, multi year meeting every quarter. Are we following the strategy? Are we accomplishing the goals? Are we we you know what have we succeeded in? What have we not succeeded in? How do we need to adjust? Uh, and really trying to position people so that they are in control of their destiny so that if something like COVID happens, you're not just reacting, but you've got the ability to say, we've got, we've planned for a rainy day. We were prepared for something. You know, nobody saw COVID coming, but it did. And some people were prepared and some people were not. You know, we've had many conversations with clients about how do we liquidate your business? 
that is not the exit plan they wanted. You know, they were planning on trying to sell to a third party, but they didn't do their planning ahead of time. And now we're in, we, we don't have any other options. We've just got to sell everything in a fire sale. Um, so we're really trying to, to have that long-term engagement so that we can always come back and say, 90 days, what happened? 90 days, what's changed? Are we ready to improve this, uh, you know, adjust this plan and have action plans in place? And again, it's not just one stop. Do, do a contract and be done. Yeah, and that approach is, uh, is so impactful. And, and I'm keying off a comment talking about a business's future. So obviously, being an attorney, you're, you're very involved in uh, aspects of risk and helping business owners protect their business's future. So for our listeners out there, uh, what are some of the key things that they can start doing now, uh, even things they can do on their own to protect their business's future? Uh, I'd say one is is getting familiar with your options. So start talking to professionals that you might want to work with. See, you know, what do they do? How do they do it? Uh, Most of the folks in my circle will be happy to meet with you for an hour and kind of tell you what, what they bring to the table, but really understanding what are your options? Is it a generational transfer, an ESOP, a third-party sale, uh, liquidation? You know, what, what do you have? What's your baseline? Um, and then really assembling that team around it. Um, the other thing is, as, as a corporate lawyer, I love to have actual corporate documents in place. So if you are operating and you're an LLC and don't have an operating agreement, you should probably get one of those. If you have partners, you should get a buy-sell agreement. You should have a contingency plan of what happens if your partner gets ill, disabled, uh, dies. All of those things are are massively disruptive to your business and huge risks that a lot of folks just haven't gotten around to addressing. So simple corporate cleanup, um, get an understanding of, of your baseline and reach out to the professionals in your circle and, and put that team together. And that's, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Well, that's talk to your insurance that. guy. Get Say your insurance guy. Talk to your oh, insurance guy. Yeah, get, get insurance in place. Insurance is so important. Well, uh, Nathan, a ton of value in the conversation. Some of my takeaways were, really understanding uh, different types of the transactional law, certainly for the business owner. Uh, there's a lot involved. Uh, it really takes a village uh, to help a business owner not only transition their business, but also go through the various aspects of estate planning in order to, to maximize the value. And then, you know, getting your house in order, you know, having those documents in place, uh, making sure that, you uh, Everything is protected from the risk standpoint. This is uh, this is all great points for our listening audience. Uh, if someone wants to get in touch with you or get in touch with the firm, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, our website is www.mendenfryman.com. M-E-N-D-E-N-F-R-E-I-M-A-N. Uh, dot com. You can call the main line at 770-379-1450, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Nathan Johns uh, should pop right up. Well, Nathan, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, 
you and I have worked together on several clients and, and you do great work and you provide a lot of value for your clients. It's been a delight to have you on the show. Thank you, Bill. It's been wonderful being here and look forward to working with you in the future. So Eric Cooley, Eric is Chief Financial Officer for Strack Incorporated. Uh, Eric, so glad to have you on Profit Sense. And uh, you and I originally met uh, indirectly. Uh, Andrew Sullivan uh, is, a, is an investment planner, someone that I use. Uh, I believe someone also uh, uh, uses them in your management uh, we had the opportunity to meet through uh, through that connection, um, but I want to hear a little bit more on uh, uh, what's been going on at, at Strack Incorporated. So uh, I know full site contracting is referenced on your website, uh, but for our listeners, what is it and why is it important to our economy and the future of our country? Yeah, well, good morning, Bill. Thanks for having me on today. So yeah, so at Strack, we've we view full site contracting as laying the groundwork for the nation's economy. Full site services include clearing the property of trees, earthwork and grading, including excavation and blasting of the rock, and also the installation of the water, stormwater, and sewer infrastructure. So basically what our, our services prepare the construction, prepare the site for all the construction segments, you know, whether it's residential, commercial, warehouses, homes, schools. In addition, we also create new landfill sills. Uh, we cap existing cells, and then we also have a boring and tunneling division that can go underneath rivers, railroad tracks, highways, as well as we also build out rail yard expansions, and we have uh, and we will construct new intermodal facilities. So as the as the country continues to prosper, and we have this well publicized uh, underfunding in the infrastructure segment, full site contracts really one of the first steps in trying to develop the property and the underlying infrastructure required to support the health and future of our economy. Well, I know infrastructure has really been a, a key uh, uh, for our country and the need to continue to invest in infrastructure. So it sounds like uh, Strack Incorporated and you are going to are going to be busy for the foreseeable future. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a good market right now. Yes, sir. So I know Strack has been in business since 1948. Uh what an incredible uh, legacy and, and, of course, a lot of great things going on now. Uh, but what have been some of the challenges uh, transitioning the business through the generations? Yeah. So through the generations, the company is really kind of, you know, really the strong principled ownership. And they've really adapted either changing market conditions or seized opportunities as they presented themselves. Uh, you know, we, they've stuck to their core values of quality, stewardship and responsibility and partnering with the clients to deliver that total customer satisfaction. Uh, since it began in 1948, when brothers Alfred and Bill bought a D6 dozer and went into the grading business in Georgia. About wow. 10 years, yeah, about 10 years later, they, they saw that pipeline business was a little more profitable. And so they shifted over into the pipeline business. And then throughout the years, Strax entered and exited different areas. So whether they, they've gone into grading originally, and then they went out for a bit, they did some clearing, they even had a fuel distribution company at one point. So today we're in the third generation. I think one of the most important things that's going on with the generational transitions is the fact that both Joe, who was Alfred's son, and Jonathan, who's Joe's son, started when they were 10 and 12 years old, respectively, and started as laborers in the field. And so they, they've worked their way up through the business and really, I think, earned the respect of the, of the workforce itself 
And this really led to their successful leadership and transitions. Some of the more difficult things, like during the late 2000s, during the downturn, STRAC was primarily focused on pipeline work in the residential segment. So as we all recall, that was a, a really difficult time and STRAC faced many challenges. I think one of the good examples of the integrity of this company is that while many of their clients either faced bank, you know, bankruptcy or there were bad debt write-offs here, Strack made a hundred, you know, hundred cents on the dollar to all of their vendors to make sure they got paid. And so while, while Strack had to write off some bad debt, they made sure that everyone that kind of helped them along the way was taken care of. Uh, the other part was the workforce went from 345 people down to only 45 people. And so they saw a significant shrinkage. And really to keep the company in business, they really expanded their marketplace and, and traveled out of town. So, and then coming out of the downturn to address that, STRAC uh, decided to diversify the portfolio. So as opposed to just being focused in residential, STRAC got into the commercial, the industrial, and decided that would be the best strategy. So, you know, more recently, another area was that STRAC had focused more on the pipeline business and realized that the clients wanted someone that was integrated between grading and pipeline. And so in 2017, we invested a significant number of assets to, to spin up our grading division again. And so today, Strax got over 400 employees. We're offering over 300 pieces of heavy equipment and our revenues are in excess of 120 million. So, I, you know, looking at that, I think they've managed to navigate those challenges by adhering to their principal core values, persistence, and just being able to be adaptable in the marketplace. Yeah, what a uh, what a comp- compelling value proposition too, and uh, the ability to uh, even take write-offs, but still be able to make sure that all the uh, creditors will, were made whole right. is uh, is just a a wonderful story and speaks to the character of, of the management and really the entire team. I know we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. How has COVID impacted the way Strack does business in the marketplace? Yeah, so COVID hit coming right out of one of the wettest winters in Georgia history. I think Corey can, can probably attest to that as well. And so it brought a lot of uh, uncertainty. And really, I guess the most the most important one was was the employee safety and health. So similar to, to Martin, we, uh, you know, communicated employees to stay home. They were feeling ill, got, got, you know, adhere to the social distancing, done the office cleanings. We had folks working from home. And I think there's there's some productivity loss probably on job sites and in the back office. But we were able to maintain our employment level. And we we're also to be able to minimize the exposure that our employees had. And so, you know, we're optimistic there remains a continued level of short-term uncertainty in the market, but we feel like with the safety measures that are put in place, most of the job sites, while they may have been down for a short period of time due to either an exposure. Or just, you know, we saw some owners that kind of kind of pulled back a little bit. I think some of them saw, the you know, recall the recession and they said, well, what's going to go on here? And so they kind of took a pause. But at this point, we're seeing, you know, seeing things in the marketplace. We're continuing to get good bid activity and we're just we're working hard to you know deliver the quality timing and overall value that the clients have come to, to count on us for. Yeah. And what I'm hearing again, it's a little bit of a recurring theme, but uh Certainly taking care of your clients and vendors, uh, taking care of your people. Uh, you know, people do business with people they know and they trust. Right. So uh, uh, kind of hearing some uh, some similar things that really resonate uh, and have attributed to a lot of uh, Strack's success. 
Now, I know you bring a unique uh, perspective as chief financial officer of the, of the company. Uh, I know the role of a CFO has certainly changed over time, but how has your role specifically as CFO changed over time, especially given the changes in job complexity and technology? Yes. I mean, just just in general, I think historically, and I'm still referred to here at times as the chief bean counter. (laughs) Get away from that. But I think really the CFO is is evolved into more of a business partner. And so besides having to understand and be a custodian of the books, you've got to understand the business and the operations and be able to identify opportunities you see or trends you see. When we look at technology, so for instance, we, we implemented a system called HCSS for our, to, to, to uh, collect data from the field for daily reports on the production, man hours, and equipment usage. It just builds a higher level of accuracy, availability, and consistency in the data. And so... At Strack, besides the financial side, I'm also also have the opportunity to run the the HR involved in the project management side, and also the safety. And really, my role is not just reporting on the news on the news, but to use our uh, our data to look ahead at the forecast operationally and financially, and then working with the team to develop a long term roadmap. I'd say you know to be effective, I think it's important for a CFO to demonstrate a curiosity and a willingness to learn the business and the operations outside the walls of just finance. Yeah, that's, and uh, by the way, I'm sure chief bean counter is a term of endearment, not yes. a, not a, uh, not a negative term at all. Oh, and, of course not. Wow. What, what, a uh, what a, an amount of complexity uh, that has been added to a role like yours uh, going forward. So in your particular sector, uh, share with us what you feel like is the market outlook, not only for new jobs, but also how STRAC uh, is positioned to compete effectively. Yeah. So based on the underlying markets, things we're reading, clients we've talked to, we're hearing some pretty positive sentiment. We see continued growth and a strong outlook in in our market sectors. Uh, we're licensed to operate in eight states here in the southeast, but for the most part, we operate about 250 miles around the Atlanta area. And Atlanta offer, offers a pretty favorable market, to say the least. A significant number of Fortune 1000 headquarters here, our busiest airport, and just the population growth that you know continues to come here. And so we look at our between our leadership, our workforce, the investment in heavy equipment we have, diversified portfolio strong customer and vendor relationships. We think we're positioned really well to, to be successful here in this market, both compete and win. Well, a lot of things that I've heard in our discussion today, Eric, are really uh, first understanding what full site contracting is. That was uh, that was new to me. And also understanding how STRAC positions itself in uh, uh, handling infrastructure work. Uh, being in business since 1948 seems to be attributed to the investment, not only in, in people that you've made, but also the investment in, in clients. And that has really added to the longevity you mentioned, making sure that your people are safe, making sure in a downturn that your uh, uh, clients and vendors were, were taken care of. Uh, certainly your role has become increasingly complex, but it sounds like despite despite uh, uh, the impact of COVID, um, STRAC has 
taken all the measures to position themselves uh, uh, to compete effectively in the future. Sure. So if someone wants to get in touch with either you or Strack Incorporated, Eric, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can go to our website. It's www.strackinc.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, or we can, you can go to call the main number, 770-969-1591. Well, Eric, thanks so much for your time and the interview today. Some great takeaways, not only for me, but also for our listening audience. So thank you. Thank you. So a big thanks to uh, all three of my uh, guests today, Corey Lee with Martin Concrete, uh, Nathan Johns with Menden Fryman, and Eric Cooley with Strack Incorporated. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro business news across the network, Follow us on social media for the latest stories and check us out at ProfitSenseRadio.com. We support and celebrate business by sharing positive business stories that traditional media ignores. Some media leans left. Some media leans right. We lean business. This is Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.